Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, readers. I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next?, Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? Whether you've tuned in for the past seven years or this is your very first episode, I'm so glad you're here. If you'd like to help us celebrate our birthday, one of the best ways to do that is to support our podcast. Check out our What Should I Read Next merch, like our comfortable and conversational t-shirts, or join us in our Patreon community. The financial support we receive from our Patreon members makes it possible for us to keep creating our show each week. And as a way to say thank you, we share bonus conversations from the cutting room floor, live events, and even more book recommendations from me and members of our What Should I Read Next team. Learn more at what should I read next podcast.com. Another simple way to support us is to share our show with a friend. Tag your favorite reader in a recent post over on our Instagram account. We're at what should I read next or share a link from your favorite podcast app. We love welcoming new listeners into our bookish community. Readers, this episode marks seven years of helping book lovers discover their next read. Since I started What Should I Read Next back in 2016, I've talked with so many readers on this show. You've heard about 400 voices in this space over all those years. Sometimes those voices belong to names you know and recognize. Sometimes they belong to readers like you. I've enjoyed every single conversation along the way, and today we want to celebrate the very beginning of the show. To do that, I've invited back two readers who were instrumental in getting us off the ground. You may know Jamie Golden and Knox McCoy as the voices behind The Popcast, a weekly podcast devoted to educating you on things that entertain but do not matter. Knox and Jamie were instrumental in helping me launch What Should I Read Next? Knox produced the first 11 episodes of the show, and Jamie was our very first guest on January 12th, 2016. I'm so excited to welcome them both to the show today as we look back at our origins, share stories you've never heard before, and of course, talk all things books and reading. Let's get to it. Knox and Jamie, welcome back to the show. Happy seventh anniversary of the show. What a delight. Congratulations. I know. What a big deal. That is a huge deal. The fact that, well, for me, it is a huge deal to commit to something for seven years. Mm -hmm. That's chaotic. I love it. Well, I mean, look who's talking. The key is you don't know it's going to be seven years. I'm not sure what I would have thought if you told me back in 2016. In 2022, future Anne is going to be talking with Knox and Jamie about your seventh anniversary. But you all have been out this even longer than we have. How many years has the podcast been running now? It's nine years. It's nine, nine years. Yeah, and uh, recently, uh, an extended family member was trying their best, was trying their darndest, because most of the time, I just get the, are you still doing that blog? And I'm like, sure. Yeah, I guess I am. Um, <laughs> but they were trying. They were trying to make a connection. And they said, did you study podcasting in college? And I was like, <laughs> it just, what? Um, it was nothing. Okay. No, it was, I did not. You mean, it, you mean at YouTube University? <laughs> yeah. My brother once said, you know what? I'm going to check out your your podcast. I'm going to watch yeah. it. What 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 channel yeah. is it on? I was like, well, no one's trying to support Keith me. was ahead of the game, uh, actually. He was like, this is going to be a big deal yeah. in 2022. So make it on that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure our family members still have no idea how we buy our groceries or pay our mortgage. Same. Yeah, exactly the same. But I think at this point they trust it's probably going to be okay. They just don't understand how. I've alluded to it's money laundering, and they seem comfortable <laughs> enough with that, so we're just going to let it ride. <laughs> They've watched Ozark, so they're like, that seems yeah. right. <laughs> I was like, there's no cartels, <laughs> yeah. but you know, everybody's getting paid what they need to get paid. So don't worry about it. 
We're so glad you all are here today. We thought you would be the perfect guest for this episode because not only do you understand what it's like to put in nearly a decade's worth of work in podcasting, later we got to talk about what you all are planning for 10 because that sounds Mm. big, but both your histories are baked into our origin story here. And it took me a long time to realize that, that Knox and Jamie of the podcast, like you all do your thing together, but in your own ways, you're huge for our show. So thanks so much for coming on and celebrating You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome for being the bedrock of your show. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for acknowledging that. (laughs) The cornerstone here live and in person. So I know that Jamie has recently done a big internet deep dive to assess the question I'm about to ask, but did we already know each other before we met in person at Killer Tribes in 2012? Also, can we take a moment to say this blog conference? Like, I can't believe all the people and projects and connections that came out of that like little Nashville one day gathering that happened 10 years ago. Yeah. Shout out to Brian Elaine who put that together. Like, honestly, all of my major internet relationships went to the next level with that conference. And I would have told you I planned ahead and like needed to be there. But when I was deep diving my email to find out what might have happened back then, apparently I bought a ticket the night before at 10 p.m. Wow. I don't remember that at all, but I'm so glad. It was a near miss for me, but I'm so glad I was there. Yeah, see, I I didn't know you, Anne, and I didn't know Jamie, but I was aware of both of you. So that was the first time meeting both of you. And I I knew enough about uh, each of you that I was like, these are people doing things, like I want to make a connection, and I like like the things that they are doing. But yeah, prior to that, there there had been no like human connection. And I do just want to correct that. I had been a guest uh, post on Knox's blog before (laughs) I know, but we hadn't met like in person, right? (laughs) And we we still didn't meet even after we started doing the show for like two and a half years, like in actual person. That's right. We just started a business and then we're like, we don't need to yeah. see each other. Why would we need to Formality. see each other? But like for me, I went back digitally and looked and Anne followed me on Twitter in December of 2011. And I was like, oh my gosh, because I found your blog because I, Jane Austen is my favorite author. She's my security question to many uh, sites and I loved her. And so to find modern Mrs. Darcy, I was like, what is this madness? And I loved it. And you lived in the place where they do a Jane Austen festival. And I just... I got very attached to you very quickly and said so that when I got to meet you, it was like it was like meeting a celebrity <laughs> in my own brain. It was very fun. I loved it. But this was still back in the day where when you told somebody you were going to a conference to meet people you knew on Twitter, they were concerned for your personal safety. That's right. They thought you were going to oh, go get murdered. Yes. No, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Aaron came to that conference, who was our first employee that we had at our company, and I gave did a ticket giveaway on my blog, and she I made it so she won <laughs> because I wanted her to come. So my apologies to all the people that I did not choose because I chose her. And so she ends up co-writing a screenplay with Knox, and she and I launch a podcast for nine episodes mm-hmm. And then it fails, and then that leads to me being with Knox on the podcast. Yeah, that and that's the conference where I met uh, a handful of gentlemen, and they were like, let's go eat dinner at a Mexican restaurant, and let's uh, decide to get into podcasts. And I remember being like, oh, podcasts, no thank you. I'll go for like the cheese dip, but I'm not going to do a podcast. That sounds so stupid. And then here we are. So interesting. Here we are all these years later. And I love how our podcasts have stayed entwined through the years. Does that sound mm-hmm. healthy? I definitely mean a healthy, ongoing, collaborative no, absolutely. relationship. Well, I was going to say, we stole an idea from you, uh, your whole, you, you know, the whole concept of the show. <laughs> um, what should I read next? We did What Should I Watch mm-hmm. Next, our episode 395, and it was honor of your 10th annual Reader's Guide because your readers, your summer reading guide is iconic on the internet. And so it was fun to be able to, we actually used you and your own shows that you liked and didn't like. We've had a couple of those episodes. So we really enjoyed stealing from you. So thank you. Yeah. You know, I think you really inspired, obviously like the the heart of your show has always been very curational and not just the show, like what you do. Um, And I think that seems so obvious now, like uh, on podcasts to help recommend and, and curate content. But it wasn't that obvious back then. So I think um, that's always been like a foundational point of what we're trying to do is cut through the noise of Peacock and Paramount and Amazon and Netflix and be like, actually, just watch these shows. These are the good ones. Mm-hmm. I remember when you all ran that What Should I Watch Next episode. Jamie, I think I got a message from you that said, hey, this is a heads up, not a permission. We're totally doing it. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. Just want you to know. I think you asked me a question, but I don't remember what it was. I was charmed and delighted and could not wait to listen. Yes, because we asked you about shows that you Mm -hmm. liked and a show that you didn't like. And we did that with our listeners as well so that we could help curate 
based on mm-hmm. that, what should you watch next mm-hmm. rather than what you should Which next, is so. absolutely singing my song because I read a lot more than I watch stuff. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Nox, Jamie, by all means, like give me the special treatment and tell me personalized yes. watching recommendations. That's what I need in my – I got the books covered, but I want the watch <laughs> recommendations. Exactly. Yes. All right. I love how we can divide and conquer our media usage here on the internet. Like mm-hmm. listen to the podcast, listen to us. We got you in all That's the right. ways. I want to take a minute – to look back at our origin stories because it's been so long now. Will was pointing out to me, and he's our executive producer here, that my recollections are a little fuzzy on what actually mm. may have happened. I'm really wondering if I have like rose-colored glasses this whole situation, but Knox, let's start with you since you produced mm-hmm. the first 11 episodes. So my recollection of how that went is I knew you, we'd met, and I found out mm-hmm. from somebody in my podcast Voxer mastermind group before I even started it that you had helped at least one other person get a show off the ground mm-hmm. by doing things like the audio and helping with scripting. And just really, I felt like she described you as a security blanket. I mean, a producer, but also a security blanket. He'll make mm-hmm. it happen, but also tell you if your idea is stupid so you can just <laughs> save a ton of time. My recollection is we got on the phone and I said, okay, this is how the show is going to work. It will absolutely be 20 minutes, every episode, maybe just 18. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is the concept. Mm -hmm. This is the conversation. What do you think? So I remember you saying, this is a great concept. This is amazing. This will make a fabulous podcast. But I want to know, what do you remember about that conversation? And if I totally deluded myself all these years. You were uh, very verbally abusive initially. And th- no, I'm kidding. You actually, this is a pretty dead on. Like you don't have rose colored glasses. Uh, this is almost word for word. Prior to starting with you, I had, um, Ashley and I just bought a house. And when we bought the house, I made sure we closed. And then I resigned my job as a Christian screenwriter because of creative differences. So I was like, I have to be producing. I have to be copywriting. So I was taking on all these other jobs and had a handful of podcasts I was helping produce. You had reached out and you kind of gave me the idea that you had. And I was like, this is genius, brilliant. Let me know how I can support. The funny thing is, I think especially in podcasting, so many ideas and formats, they have to evolve, you know, because you get that first draft, you know, and uh, it's fine, but it needs a lot of tweaks. I don't, uh, other than the time, you know, it being a little bit longer episodically, your concept was pretty good to go from the beginning. And I don't know that it's evolved that much. Um, So it felt like a thing where I can just kind of help do some things, but I'm not really needed here. Um, So even in the early days, uh, your approach of like uh, reaching out and talking to a lot of different people, not just like, Hey, I'm a white lady and I got a book. Let's talk about it. And I'll talk about my book. I always thought that was really creative and smart. And I thought that's kind of what separated you. But yeah, I think it was, um, it's pretty much as you remember it. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you for playing into my ploy to (laughs) encourage you to say nice things about the show. But I'm so grateful for you not only helping us get off the ground, but you also gave us our iconic, what should I read next phrase? Like, I don't know if you even remember this, but you were like, okay, I'm scripting this first episode. We got to close it out. What if every week we shared a different, like, warm and fuzzy bookish quote to end mm. the show? So I sent you the line from Rainer Maria Rilke that goes, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. And you said, awesome. We'll close with that. And the next week I sent you a list and you were like, I don't know. I like that first quote. I think you might want to stick with that. <laughs> and we've closed every single episode with that ever since. I mean, it goes on book darts and tote bags and like all our bookmarks and merch and all the things. It's who we are. Well, again, it was a suggestion. You actually made the good thing. And it was even a surprise for me because when when I read it, I was like, that sound, I don't know who that person is, but that sounds cool. And then you said the name and I was like, I thought it was Rainer Marie Rilke. Rilke. So this is great. I'm learning things and she's solving problems. So this is just a wonderful situation. I, You know, I remember early on, I think um, uh, a lot of your early guests didn't understand how audio worked. You guys had to do a lot of coaching. I think we had to do a lot of coaching of like, no, you can't just like carry around a laptop in a Walmart and record an episode. Like, you have to actually sit down. You have to have headphones and stuff like that. But I do remember, I think Jamie was booked early on. And, you know, obviously she and I had been doing the the podcast um, uh, together for a, a few years. And I remember who, you, I, don't, I don't know who was pegged for the first episode, but I remember uh, listening to it and just being like, it's not really... It's not really sizzling, you know. It's not really like uh, <laughs> not got that like electric uh, sizzle, like jumping off the uh, jumping out of the AirPods. So I was like, what if we what uh, AirPods? Use Jamie? It was twenty fifteen oh, yeah, yeah. when we were playing in the, this. The, the wired, <laughs> the wired headphones. <laughs> I was like, what if we use Jamie? And I think I think you were said uh, Jamie specifically said, I don't want to be first. 
And I was I, like, I did. I, did Jamie sign a contract? And you said she did not. And I was like, well, Jamie doesn't get to make that call then. So Jamie's going to go first here, unfortunately. I know. And I, because I, and the reason I didn't want to go first was not for any other reason than a marketing reason. Because I was like, I knew from our own experience that no one listens to that first episode. Like, no, it's unless you're serial and you're setting a, you know, a Best Buy phone booth moment, no one's going to listen to the first episode. So I was like, nobody's going to listen to me. And it's going to be so boring and everybody's going to skip ahead. And so I was like, make me number three. And then you came back and you're like, hey, you're number one. It's just what it is. Like, And, and, I, and I, I have trusted Knox with production, uh, obviously, for almost a decade. And so I knew he had made the right decision for you. And, um, and, and it was an honor. It was an honor to be a, and I looked back, it was 24 minutes. We talked, can you believe wow. that I talked to a person for 24 <laughs> minutes? That's six minutes longer than I remembered. Really? That's incredible. Yeah. Although maybe a third as long as you would have expected that conversation to run. It's impressive. It's impressive. But Jamie, Jamie is always a great guest. And especially with books, I feel like to show um, the versatility of what the show can be, to have a really fun guest. Not that the other early ones weren't fun, but they weren't. And Jamie is fun. <laughs> so um, I just thought, you know, she would do a great job. You obviously did a great job interviewing her. So uh, it was off and running from there. Jamie, did we talk about the show before I invited you to come on? You had emailed me in December and just said, hey, I'm starting a podcast. And I just replied in all caps, it's about time. <laughs> um, if I had known Lizzo, it would have been, it's about damn time, you know, and I would have done the dance. But Knox is exactly right. Like you had set the format and that, it, it was such a good format mm-hmm. and, and it has stayed true to who you are in over seven years. And it's a format that works so well when other people are trying to replicate it. They just can't because it really is so perfect to you and to the way that you invite guests to kind of share and have a space to talk about. I think everybody's looking for a space to talk about a book they yeah. hate. And you incorporate <laughs> it into the thing. And I I love that. Yeah. So that I remember that being so fun because at the time I I hated Gosetta Watchmen so much. <laughs> I wanted to talk about it with everybody. And I wanted to hate on Ready Player One, so it was perfect. But y- yeah. you know, I think because I uh I was there for uh, maybe like a month, month and a half-ish. Mm-hmm. And I remember Jamie and I were really trying to like accelerate the monetization of what we were doing, but also I was like, I'm not needed here, you know, because my I think my gift as a producer and editor is content editing. And I remember listening to like the first 10 or 11, I was just like, I'm just cutting like ums and stuff. She doesn't need me. She can, someone else can do this. Um, uh, she's fine. If I leave, it's not going to collapse. It's actually probably going to get better. So um, I'm more than happy to uh, be able to walk away from this. Okay, so Jamie, in 2015, yeah. you hated Go Set a Watchman, which had just come out yes. like four or five months before. That was a book of the moment for sure. It was. It was. And I, you know, obviously I'm a resident of Alabama. Harper Lee is an iconic. Mm-hmm. We have very few iconic Alabamians. And so I love her desperately. But that, and it's true today, I do not like books that are money grabs. And that was a money grab book. And I stand by that when you see people on the internet who get book deals and you're like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I've never read a caption from you that made sense. So that's amazing that you got a book deal. Huh? That's, that's <laughs> weird. I, to this day, do not like money grab books. Unless, listen, and I want people to have a, be- a beach house. Like, girl, wash your butt. Get yourself a beach house. But for me, it can be very frustrating. And that book to me was a publisher wanting to do a money mm-hmm. grab off a woman who was dying. So I... And and it was not good. I'll stand by that. It was not good. It was phenomenally effective, if those are your goals. But, well, I'm glad mm. that you could have the cathartic experience of, like, bashing it on what should I read next. Yes, thank you. Thank you. The books you loved, you loved Persuasion. <laughs> You're already on the yes. record, Jane Austen, Fan for Life, Me Before You, and 112263. Do those books still represent your reading life? 100%. I love a solid romance that's well done and well executed. I love a book in a weird setting, 112263, that has, I love a book with tension and page turner mm-hmm. elements that really you're, the plot is moving you fast. And I love a classic. I do, I really do love a classic. And so those books are true to who I am today as much as they were seven years ago. Knox, since you were behind the scenes for the first 11, of course we had to bring you back about a year later. So you were first on What Should I Read Next in episode 71 called, Mm -hmm. and I think this is a quote out of your mouth, A Super Elegant Apocalypse. It aired in Mm -hmm. 2017. And you love Station Eleven, Before the Fall, and A Secret History. And we know you hated, really hated Ready Player One and needed to talk about that with your big feelings. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, do those books still represent who you are as a reader? Yeah, you know, I think so. I think even, I guess, earlier this year, uh, Sea of Tranquility was a green light of mine. Mm-hmm. Emily St. John Mandel, I just, I don't always love time jumps 
or, or time, uh, multiple timelines. It's one of those things where you either do it terrible or you do it great. And I think she does it great. Um, so uh, I, I really like that aspect. And like, man, you, you put somebody on a boat or a plane and put them over water, I'm in. I'm all in. Greta, I, I, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the uh, another book. Something great. The Unsinkable Greta James, I think. Um, oh, yeah. The, the Jennifer E. Smith one, her first adult. I love that. Um, I love anything like that. So before the fall, you know, it's not as bubbly as Greta James, but oh no, not quite. <laughs> anything like that, like uh, it reminds me of the the anomaly, which I also read this year and, mm. and really liked. Or stuff uh, set in high school or college uh, with students. Although I did read, if we were villains, I think I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy that as much. But yeah, I think for the most part that represents. Well, there was no water. There wasn't water. There was some intrigue, but yeah, just a yeah. little over. I mean, it was set in Chicago, right by Lake Michigan, so that was a real missed opportunity, like to really yeah. like perfect it for you. I agree. I agree. If you had to choose books today, three loves, one hate. Sometimes we don't use the word hate. We just talk about a book that doesn't work for you. But mm. Knox, I mean, I want to hear about a book that you hate today. What would you choose? I'm worried because I feel like this is kind of a beloved book. And I did, I, re- I read it and even like halfway through, I was like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm freaking loving this book. Um, and then I got to the end and I decided I hated it actually. Mm-hmm. And it is We Were Liars. I hated this book. So I've much. never read that book. Okay. It's like people have strong opinions on it. But if you are someone who is oblivious to the subtext of a story and there's a plot twist happening that you can tell is happening at, at page 10, uh, they get paid off in a very underwhelming way. That's the book for you. We were liars. So I just I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it at all. And, and I'm not someone who's like, oh, I can tell what's going to happen. I never understand what's happening. I'm always like, oh my gosh, plot twist. I didn't see that coming. But when I can see it coming from page 10 on, I, I think you failed as a writer probably. That's so me. Like I'm not often like trying to look for the twist because yeah. I just want to enjoy the story. But you can't help thinking about a little as you're reading. Yeah, I'm not good at right. that. And if I can guess it, it's not a good thing. That's right. <laughs> Knox, what about the books you love? The books I love, I'm going to go just from this year, Tomorrow, Tomorrow, Tomorrow. It's not just like one of my favorite books of the year, one of my favorite of all time. Just the the different, the creativity in that book of the story between two people and not turning it into a romantic story, but also using all these different storytelling methods to convey the relationship. So good. Uh, We're the Light by Matthew Quick. And Now It's Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. Uh, I love all of these books so much. Recent green lights on the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jamie, what about you? So you came back in 2018 for episode 114, Missed Bookstore Connections, which is a direct Tom Hanks reference that's so perfectly appropriate for you. Readers, you just have to go listen. So you have gotten to update your books a little more recently, but I mean, today, three books you love, one book you don't. Well, and they still fall in that same category of what I loved in that episode one, which is I love Lessons in Chemistry, minor to this year as well. Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. I mean, the dog, I can't. I just can't. And the fact that it's being adapted and is going to star um, one of my favorite, Brie Larson, one of my favorite actresses, I'm so excited. And then River Woman, River Demon by Jennifer Given. Just the tenseness, the like you don't know what's going to happen, but I love it when you're telling a bigger story separate from just the mystery or the thriller element of it. So I loved that book. And then I love a, I am a nonfiction documentary, just, I just ride hard for those. And so any book that is going to tell me a story that I maybe haven't fully understood. And so this year, and it was a beloved book by many, is South to America by Mm. Amani Perry. It's a good one. Like I loved. Yeah, so much. And then the book I hated, and I mean it. (laughs) I mean it. And I... To every person that gave it five stars on Goodreads, I need you to come and meet me for a cappuccino, and we can talk about what you saw that I did not see, because it got 4.3 stars of 100,000 ratings, and that is The Handmaid by Frida McFadden. Frida, this book is so one note. Every character is one note. Oh, she's fat, and that's it. That's what <laughs> uh, That's what I know about the mother. Okay, great. And the dad is, where's the trench coat? God, what an awful book. I was so mad. And then I was mad at myself because I needed to finish it. Because I was like, well, I do need to know what happens. Does she get stuck in that room? What happens? I don't know. Does she make out with the gardener? I don't know. And it was horrible. It was a horrible book. Did she make out with the gardener? Not a spoiler? No. No. She didn't make out with the gardener? Ridiculous. No. Jamie, have you ever made out with the gardener? (laughs) Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Do you know how hot I am for gardeners? 
God, there's just something about All like right, revise, revise. That Have you ever had a gardener no? you haven't made out with? Oh yeah, my current gardener. Although I'm gonna be honest with you, when I told him I was an Alabama fan, he seemed to light Sparks up. Sparks flying, so huh? I think Interesting. I, I think I could do it if I needed Keep to. Keep us posted. Yeah. Now, was that the classic I'm wanting in my reading life, or is that the romance, Jamie? Which genre are you seeing this slot into? Is, oh, this, a, is this a tale oh, for could, all time, or is this like listen, devour it in an afternoon and then forget about it? This is a thriller. This is a mystery thriller. Mm. This is a open door romance. That's what, I, and I was gonna say. I heard this is an open door book. That's what I heard. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh, so many open door scenes. Are the you genre kidding? on Amazon, if you're looking for it, starts in an E. That's all I'll say. Tessa Dare is gonna write this book. That's how <laughs> Cordy Milan is gonna write this book. That's how great it's gonna be. I look forward to featuring this on a future episode of What Should I Read mm. Next. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So thank you. You know what we do around here? We ask readers three books they love and one book they don't. So it's our birthday. Because it's our birthday. I want to keep with our format and hear three things you'd love and one thing you don't about podcasting. I would say first, I love the lack of institutional control yet. You know, it's still kind of the old, uh, the, the Wild West a little bit. There's no one who's like, you have to do it like this. It has to sound like this. NPR had NPR voice for a little bit, but I feel like, we, like we've like we never abided by that and, and we're okay. Um, so I like the freedom that that entails. I also like the creative opportunity it can be as creative as you want it to be. And I love that aspect. I think even like this year, we were able to do a behind the scenes of a live show tour episode that was so creatively fulfilling for me. But just being able to be like, hey, I have an idea. Um, I want to use audio. I want to kind of like tell a story around it. Can we do that? And everyone being like, yeah, not only can we do that, we'll help support this. But that was great. And even like, you know, we did a episode about Hallmark movies and the ability to write fake scripts and do like uh, a voice talent performing the fake scripts, use them in the episode. It's a testament to how creative our staff is. But just I love the uh, that the form of podcasting is so fluid and flexible that we could do that. And our listeners are like, that was fun. Like, and not be like, I can't believe you didn't take a commercial break here or do something weird. And then the last one I would probably say, this tends to get a bad rap because uh, – I feel like people only say the word parasocial in a negative way, but I think I do actually like that because it's a way to find connection with people without like messaging them and be like, hey, do you want to be friends? You know, they can just listen to you and be like, we kind of have the same sensibility. And in a healthy way, I really actually enjoy the parasocial aspect of it. Yeah. I'm just nodding along to all of those. And I want everyone to know how good those two episodes you called out were. The one about the Hallmark movies and the one about like the documentary style one about your live shows. I think I listened to that twice as a podcaster. It was so impressive and so well done. It was so great. Just the the staff gave us so much uh, good audio to use. And again, just testament how talented our staff is to be able to make like compelling content. So shouts to them. Although one of the upshots of that episode is now I think about you all at really weird times, like when my daughter got a fly in her Subway sandwich. Oh, man, that's no good. Did you make a rap song about it as well? Or <laughs> I did didn't, but that? I did think about Evan and his ladybug at, it, where was it? Was it Outback? <laughs> Outback, Outback Steakhouse, yeah. Where, when you travel across the globe, you found an Outback. It was actually excellent. Don't, don't hate on Outback. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, what about you? What do you love about podcasting? Well, you know, I was a podcast listener first before I was a podcaster. And so I love that you can literally find any niche topic anywhere on the globe, something funny, like I love maintenance phase, something to inform. I love fat mascara about beauty and skincare. And then, of course, to inspire our friend Emily Freeman, who makes the next right thing. These are shows that are so well done that, again, come from, like Knox said, come from an independent place where people just were like, hey, I have this slight expertise in this area. Let me talk about this thing. And then those get to rise to the top. I love that. I also love, like Knox talked about with the parasocial, I love that you get to find a group of folks who enjoy the same freaking weird stuff you enjoy. Like, do they, are they obsessed with our uh, Tom and Zendaya engaged? Yes. Let's talk about it. Do they like your obsession with Chris Pine? And how unhealthy it is? Yes, I love that. Do they love what we do in the shadows, even though Knox doesn't love it as much as I love it? Mm. Yes, I can find my people who love that. And so I love that. I I love the kindred spirit component of it. And then I really love the quick take chaos of Mm. it all. Now, do you end up in a lot of beefs with celebrities sometimes? Yes. But I really enjoy that it's genuinely a fun way to make a living. It's a genuinely fun way. And it's hard work and we work hard. But like, like... Our staff is a delight. We have a good time. And it's one of our core values as a company is to like genuinely have a good time. And we do. And I I love that part Mm. of it. So I resonate with all of that so much, except for the maybe getting 
in kerfuffles with celebrities. That doesn't really happen in our particular line of podcasting, but maybe one day. You never know. You know, I'm not producing for you anymore, but can I give you a note? Maybe like in 2023, think about like starting some feuds with some <laughs> with some like high profile authors, you know, just like put it out there oh. and be like, get some coverage. Just a Twitter war for the um, like all press is good press. Yeah. Just be like Stephen King kind of sucks, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. I, maybe he should come on my show and talk about it. You know, interesting. <laughs> You could be like, Colleen Hoover sells too many books. Why are y'all reading Colleen Hoover? Is she making too many books to sell a lot of? That's a good question that we should talk about. Yeah. I think that's great. Go go to the mattresses. Yeah, you can take either of those, Anne, free of charge. All right. Well, stay tuned in 2023. We'll see how that unfolds. But for my loves, yes, I get to talk about books for my job in endlessly new, like always fresh conversations. We're always talking about books and reading, and it's always something different. And I love that. And I could just stop there. But also... I don't have to stop there. I am fascinated by what people do and the choices they make, like in any aspect of their life. And I feel like, I didn't realize this at first. I thought this was like a healthy intellectual curiosity. But another way to perhaps look at that is I just love to snoop in other people's business, in this case, their (laughs) book business. And because of my job, people actually come to me and ask me to do that. They say, Anne, here is all my dirty laundry. And also some of the stuff that I like feel really good about and I'm proud of and my successes and wins, but also sometimes they're like, oh my gosh, this is a mess. What does it look like to you? Help me sort it out. I love playing book therapist. Like I want to be Lucy Van Pelt in the booth with the sign over my head <laughs> Yes, all day long. And then what both of you all said, not to sound totally cheesy, but I do really love the intimacy and connection of the medium. And sometimes this comes up in really funny ways. Like when I'll get a text or a DM from a reader who's listening to What Should I Read Next? And they'll ping me and it is clear that they feel like we are in the middle of a conversation because they've had my voice in their ears. Mm-hmm. And we're just, we're talking. We're talking about something that matters. And like, so on Media Ray, I get this comment about something that I maybe said a year and a half ago if they're going through our backlist, which I love. Never stop, listeners. Listen to all the backlist. (laughs) But I love how that's really a testament to how people feel like they know you, they feel like they're in conversation with you. And like, I'm recording at home. I was going to say in my slippers. I'm wearing sneakers today, so high fives to me. Seven years professional now. Um, But often I'm podcasting at home in my slippers. People are listening while they walk or drive or wash their makeup off at the end of the night. And even though we're alone in our houses doing our thing, we still feel so connected. And I love how that's possible with podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you can be a podcaster and listen to podcasts without wearing pants. It is magical. Mm -hmm. Like right now, who knows if Anne has pants on? I don't know. I can't see. And I like that. I like a no pants job. What a gift. It is a gift. Okay. I'm about to ask you something you hate about podcasting. And I got to confess. I could come up with a longer list than I thought I could. Mm. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Someone has feelings. <laughs> Love this. Let's go. All right, Knox, what do you think? When I saw this, I had two initial things. Number one, the discovery of them. I feel like the discovery is so limited right now. It's really just word of mouth. There's not a good apparatus that's like, if you like this, you should probably like this. And I think related to that, the coverage of podcasts, it feels so limited for something that has been pretty established. And I think most of the coverage seems to be pretty focused on celebrity shows or like lofty ideas, important (laughs) ideas, you know? And I think those are good, but there's also a whole genre and a whole like subsection of podcasts that uh, are doing interesting and creative work. And I think even, you know, there's, uh, I'm thinking of the first person who like really made a name for themselves covering podcasts. And it felt like they despised the medium. It felt like it was like, ugh, I can't believe I'm doing this instead of something else. And they, they brought that energy to it. So I wish there was more of a robust offering of perspectives. And even like, you know, I think specific to both of our shows, someone talking about the business of podcasting in a way that's not like uh, Jason Bateman and his buddies got like a bunch of millions to do the show. It was like, how do people who aren't, you know, super hot and famous, how do they make that work? I would be interested in listening to stuff like that. And I'm just going to call out an episode that you did a couple years ago now called The Business of the Podcast mm-hmm. that like that did astoundingly well on Apple charts, didn't it? And I think that's why, because people want to know. People don't understand, like my mom and my mother-in-law, how do they buy their groceries? Are my grandkids okay? They seem to be clothed and fed, but like, can I be sure that this is going to continue? (laughs) I'm going to point them to your episode. I I don't know why I didn't do that before, Knox. You're right. I think there's a lot of interest and intrigue in how it works. So I I don't know if we'll do another one of those again, but I think it's as fascinating to make as it is uh, to uh, listen to, I would say. 
Jamie, what about you? Well, you know, this might be specific to us. We have a primarily female audience, which we love that, that, again, it pays our mortgage. So we're very grateful for that. But what happens a lot to us in public, so people will sweetly come up to you. And I literally was on a trip in Italy and a person came up in the Rome airport and was like, hey, I, I, I'm a B-Fots. I, I listen to the podcast. And it was so precious and lovely. And, you know, and I had been on a plane for nine hours and looked great. <laughs> looked great. <laughs> but I will say th- there are often men who will seek us out to specifically tell us that their wife loves the show. Mm-hmm. And they think that is being the most generous compliment of their mm-hmm. lives. They're like, hey, my wife, she like loves you. Like, I don't listen. My wife uh, no, I don't you. listen ever because I'm too busy listening to Joe Rogan. But uh, she is really into you guys, and your voices in our house all the time. It's like just just say, "Hey, our house loves the pop cat." Like that's all you have you to can say. Do that. You don't have to. You don't have to go out of your way to be like, "I would never listen." Because God, TV and movies, <laughs> what a waste of time! I, I wish we didn't even have a television. Uh, listen, TV's great. Yeah. Like, calm down. Calm down. Also, Jamie, true or false, you may or may not have almost run over a listener in a Chick-fil-A parking lot. Care to comment on that? That is a true story. <laughs> and uh, she leaned out the window and did not curse me out and just like, I'm a B-Fots. I would have been honored to be hit by you <laughs> in your car. It was very nice. I would say the other thing, you know, to speak to us is we're not a huge fan of celebrities who start podcasts yeah. because it always feels like you can't get an act acting yeah. gig. Feels like, like they're safety age- school, you know? Yeah, and so then it uh, to me what it does is it it reduces what and I I think there are some celebrities who do make some great mm-hmm. podcasts, but for the most part it is a sh- since we can't get a gig and I'm dating a property potato yeah. brother, then um, should I just recap the show I used to be on ten years ago? Yeah. And those are really successful. So I also, maybe I'm frustrated with podcast listeners. And I'll do this until I get like a Sharknado movie and then I'll just bounce. And so I'm not super committed to it. But it's like, I understand the reality of it, of brand awareness. Like, would you rather try to understand who these two weird people are that are not famous? Or it's, uh, you know, AC Slater from Saved by the Bell is doing a podcast. Well, I understand that that is and I'll listen to that. So I understand the appeal of it, but it's like, I don't know. It's annoying. It's just annoying. It's just basically annoying. Is that that okay to say? Is that fair? Because I think it is. I think that's fair. Okay, mm-hmm. so spicy takes it for later, but still, I always get asked how I feel about celebrity book clubs. And mm. just generally speaking, I think the consolidation of power, interest, money in the media industries, it's not good. It's not good for readers. It's not good for listeners. It's not good for the landscape. Who do you hate more, Jenna Hager or Reese Witherspoon? Oh, great question, Jamie. Record. That's a great question. I couldn't tell you what either of them have picked for the past three months. I mean, not oh, to brag, but is that the shadiest shade Anne has ever given? I thought on she was going to avoid answering, but that answer is probably the most savage one That's that she could have given. More brutal. But I do know that when I see like, oh, Jenna picked this book, my tastes do tend to align with hers more than some of the other celebrity book books. Mm. Is that because you think they have bad, like, trash taste it's just as people? Or do you think they are more prone to being influenced by connections, friendships, relationships to uh, recommend certain things? Well, I know that the literary agents I talk to say it's super political. Like, Jenna Bush Hager is not sitting in a room with a stack of novels seeing what she likes best. That's how, not how it dare works. you, Anne? How dare you? She is a reader and a leader. I believe she's, she's a reader <laughs> and a leader. I mean, look, I need somebody to help me sort through, like, my teetering stack of 200 books over there in the corner that mm. I might cover. So I totally get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what that is. I mean, I love how it is the Wild West. And when a bunch of celebrities start podcasts because they can't get into a C film, that does feel mm. less like the Wild West and more like the old ways of doing things that we maybe didn't yeah. love. Mm-hmm. All right. So we on our show talk about three things we love and one thing we don't. And I didn't really realize until maybe yesterday how similar that is to your all's podcast style. I mean, you have a way to talk about things you love and hate. And one of y'all should tell us about it. So we have a topic, a main topic for the episode. And then we do Let's Do Some Lights. And we do Red Lights and Green Lights. And our Red Lights can be specific to pop culture. It can just be Knox being in a weapons or fist fight with a neighbor. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, so who knows where it's going to go. And then our green light is always something pop culture that we've loved. A book, a movie, a TV show, a podcast, an album, something that we've really loved. Because we are trying to create a curation. So, like, you can go to knoxandjamie.com and you can see all our green lights sorted by genre, sorted by who recommended it. Because we we do know how hard it it is when there are hundreds and hundreds, just like Mm. books, there are hundreds and hundreds of TV shows being made every year. How do you know what's good? How do you not waste your time? We're hoping to help in that mm-hmm. way. 
I love it. Can we do some lights? <gasps> Let's do some lights. Okay, so I would love to hear some green lights from Knox. Do you want to get us started? And I brought mine as well. Absolutely. Uh, so I'll go broad and then I'll go specific. The first one, I'm going to say really thoughtful, produced audiobook experiences. I remember this, this might have been a couple years ago, but reading Bomber Mafia by Malcolm Gladwell, it wasn't just, you know, most audiobooks are just like, I'm reading the text, boom. And then this was an audible production and that's it. But I think when you uh, listen to Daisy Jones and the Six or Bomber Mafia or something like that, you see the opportunity and the potential of what if you just thought a little bit more about this? What if you played with the soundscaping a little bit? What if you use different voices and cast that a little bit? I think that's the next frontier that we're really going to see blown out. But you can tell a difference when someone really cares about that aspect versus when they're just like reading the words and like trying to get that done with. So I love a really thoughtfully produced audiobook experience. And then speaking of that, a recent uh, green light uh, in a book I loved is Liberation Day by George Saunders. I, I just love George Saunders in general. I love stories in general, so this is a great fit for me. But, you know, he reads part of it. Jenny Slate's in there, Tina Fey, Michael McKean, Jack McBrayer, uh, Stephen Root's in there. Just really great voice contributions to this really clever um, short story setup. So uh, those two are uh, my biggest green lights that I've got. Those sound amazing. Also, Liberation Day has been hanging out in my Libro app for forever, and I haven't started it yet. So thank you. I think it's a much better listen than a read uh, just because uh, there's just aspects, little nuances of the story that I think are best uh, experienced audibly versus uh, with the words. I'm here for it. I'm going to go broad as well. And book related, the enemies to lovers trope, put <laughs> it in my literary veins. Listen to me. And look, the word lovers, as Liz Lemon has said, it does bum me out unless it's between the words meat and pizza. <laughs> that is still true. But look, like I mentioned, Me Before You, Pride and Prejudice, The Hating Game, Beach Read, The Unhoneymooners. Like, I love it so much. The movies, if you're looking, if you're somebody like me who loves any enemies to lovers, Palm Springs, mm. set it up. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, Leap Year, an underrated movie that I genuinely love. Warm Bodies, You Want a Vampire? Uh, enemies to lovers, let's go. When I get a happily ever after from that, like I, I'm i looking forward to the next season of Bridgerton because they have become enemies. I was going to ask, I feel like Bridgerton, the whole premise is we're going to hate each other and then we're going to love each other. Oh my gosh, and then we're going to rip our clothes off in a gazebo? Tell yes, you we burn for you it. and we just got stung by a bee and we all breathe each other's mouth really. Like, God, I'm going to reach for your hand as you get into a carriage and then I'm going to flex Incredible. it. God, that's my, uh, that's my drug of choice for sure. Well, I would say I haven't watched that yet, but now I don't need to, right? That's everything. You don't need to. You don't need to. Yeah, it's good. No, you don't. You don't. Or you can just, you know, find the scenes on TikTok. You just save them. You know what I mean? Jamie, you said earlier you hated a money grab. So I'm going to share a book that came into my house that at first I thought was a money grab. And I might have kind of sighed and rolled my eyes to my husband and been like, oh, now she's really popular in the U.S. Like she had a book nominated for the Booker. So now they're going to go publish some story that's 10 years old just to make some money. But then I read it and I was like, whoops, never mind. So I'm going to choose as my green light reissued editions of older works like Claire Keegan's Foster, which was just published in late 2022 in the U.S. for the first time. I'm sorry, I thought it was a money grab, but it turns out it is a gift to readers everywhere looking for good stuff and who want more of a certain kind of story that's modern. Like the characters are pretty contemporary, but it has an old fashioned sensibility and her stories are really short. Oh my gosh, can that be a corollary green light? short works that Absolutely. just deliver so much emotional bang for the buck. Uh, Nella Larson's Passing, another one that got like the new Macmillan, oh, like yeah. tiny blue adorable edition treatment. And is it a new book? No. Are they promoting it like it is? Yes. But is that still a service to readers who like really appreciate these older works when they have them put in front of them? Because like people aren't always going to go digging for the stuff they want to read, right? Like because all the new books are on Bookstagram. But if these new books are coming out, and it's causing readers to read great stuff that's been around a while that they're discovering for the first time, I'm going to say I'll be generous with the not a money grab, but a service to readers. I think that's a great point of like, there's so much coming out all the time. Hey, y'all, if you just want to like re reintroduce them to me, because maybe I was busy in 2021 and like I didn't see in like November what came out. If you want to like hit me back up with that, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I get, I'm a big not, I got to tell you, one of the tensions of like being a podcaster in this space, and probably you all in the pop culture space, is part of me thinks, well, if you wanted to find a certain thing, you would go find it. Mm. But most of me and my brain lives in the real world and knows that's not how it works. Like, I need someone mm. to say, Anne, here, let me put this in front of you, 
and explain it to you carefully and tell you why you will love it. Like that's really what I need to hear and part of what I feel like we do on our show. Yeah, I think now more than ever, people just need direction and not expertise like artistically, but just like you listen, you're never gonna need Peacock. You're just not. So don't like don't sign it for it. So my next one is tangentially book related. I mean, you can buy it in a bookstore, but it's completely podcast related. And that is I have a Rhodia reverse notebook without which I don't think this podcast would be possible. It enables me to think and have thoughts to share when talking to people on what should I read next. It's eight and a quarter inches square, spiral bound. I like the dot grid option, but you can get a graph paper version as well. The paper is fine and a little bit slick. It's got a sheen to it, which basically means you can write really fast and take notes about the book you don't want to forget to recommend 20 minutes from now or that topic you want to circle back to. And I love it so much. I have a functional question. So when you're reading, you're like that you have that next to you and you're like, this is a great page. Oh, line, no. This idea. is a podcasting and meeting notebook, Knox. This mm. is not a reading notebook. That's ridiculous. Can you walk me through the reading notebook like situation? Like, what do you do? Are you just like, no, I'm reading. I'm not like note taking. Or are you like, here's like how I, uh, if you want to go back to something, what do you, what's your process to do that? Okay, this sounds like a dedicated episode of What Should I Read Next? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We're total nerds. We can talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. I read a lot more on my Kindle than I used to. Especially, Mm. I read a lot more e-galleys of books that haven't come out. I used to read most of those in print. So I've become, like, surprisingly to me, a big fan of that highlight section because you can search, you can scan, you can export. Mm. I love it. But other than that, I do write freely in books. Though only books that actually belong to me. No writing in library books around here. I love book darts. And if something is really important, if I think I want to write a blog post about this, then my high-tech system is I email myself a picture of the page that says, Anne, you want to write a blog. I know, nice, super high-tech. You want to write a blog post about this, and this is your exact idea, and here's the spot on the page that I'm gearing you towards. Because otherwise, the things that seem so genius, like in the moment, I totally forget by the next day. No, I I think that's a really smart way to go about it. Because when we bought our most recent house, uh, it was was older, and uh, the family had kind of taken it over. It was like an estate situation, and there was a huge book collection and we bought it like as a part of the house and in the margins there's all these like little notes and it's my favorite thing to go back and all these super old books and like read them it's a good thing i didn't know that house was for sale or i might have bought your house just for that library how dare you how Move dare you to tennessee you? just for it i'll uh, bottom page dog ear a page where i'm like that's a great paragraph or that's a great idea so if i'm ever like uh, looking for something to read and i see like a like a book with bottom page dog ears i'll just go look at that page Mm-hmm. And, and reread like whatever inspired me because I can't think of another because I just don't want to read a book with a pen and like an, a, a paper that feels like homework. Well, and I want to commend you, Anne, for not being like, uh, the thing I use is called My Reading Life, colon, a book journal <laughs> yeah. by Anne Bogle, which uh, I really love. Because I haven't I haven't always kept track of my books. I just read it and then put it in a notes app and say, this is a green light for the future. And I'll put the date, like if it is an arc, I'll say, okay, this is going to be in March, you know. But I don't always keep track as well. And I love those people who have, like, one of your staffers, Lee, who she just keeps everything just so beautifully kind of tracked. And I you love You know why, that. Jamie? Because you're like, if it's meant to be with me, it'll stay in my heart, okay? Oh, my I'll heart. have to go back to it. It'll be here forever with me. That's right. Mm-hmm. And forget the ADHD that we'll forget <laughs> that I even read that book. That's right. That's right. My heart is fickle like that and not to be trusted. See, the thing is, in my reading life, sometimes I'll read a quote in a book and I'll be like, yes, I want to remember that forever. And I'll go write it down immediately. But usually it's not clear if that's going to be like one of the top six quotes in the whole book that I want to mm. say forever until I get to the end. So that's my process. Mm, that At the sense. end, I go through. I'm like, which of these quotes do we really want to keep? Oh, no, I'm done. Last word, gone. Out of here. Get to the bookshelf. I'm moving on, baby. Bye-bye. Another one of my reading green lights is I am very much into journalists who write long-form nonfiction. And that has been my—and this year, one of my favorite books was that Rachel Aviv wrote Strangers to Ourselves, Unsettled Minds and the Stories That Make Us. And she's a writer at The New Yorker, and she just did this beautiful book about how do people handle crisis and stress, particularly when it comes to their mental health, because she herself was put in an institution at age six. And it is such a fantastic book, but it's also Patrick Ryden Keefe. It's Five Days at Memorial, Bad Blood, She Said, The Yellow House, The Escape Artist, a recent green light on the podcast— Anything by John Krakauer. Mm. You know, I I just really love the way that journalists, I mean, some of them are better authors. They're writing better fiction in nonfiction than some fiction writers are. Even like Michael Lewis. It's just like when he's doing something, I'm like, I'm in. Whatever. Like, let's do it. Oh, Michael Lewis for life. Yes. 
I got to ask, do you all enjoy doing the red lights as much as the green lights? More uh, than the green more. lights? More than. Probably more. more yeah, than. green lights just like, yeah. here's some, I'm an information broker. With red lights, I'm a passion broker. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm doing here. So, yeah, I, I take a lot of uh, happiness in that. Bring it, Knox. What'd you bring? I'll do a baby one and then a grown adult person one. Uh, I don't like it when characters are dialoguing and they keep saying each other's name. Like, if it would be like, Anne, I don't like when characters are dialoguing Anne and when they keep saying their name, Anne. I just, I feel like that's so weird and stupid and people don't talk like that in real life and it takes me out of it and it makes me annoyed. And I also, grown adult person, red light is, I understand why the publishing industry makes you buy the physical book and it also makes you buy the audiobook separately. Why are we not bundling that? That is an experience that should be experienced together, but they are cash grabbing it and separating it and it makes me so mad. I don't understand it. Capitalism. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Capitalism is actually listed as one of my red lights. Wow. Just like for oh. this show or like in life? For this show. Well, probably in life, but for this show. I love it. Okay. Let's, <laughs> I, but let's I'm go. Still, let's talk about I'm it. I'm still processing the fact that you use dialogue as a verb. I like that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, characters are just dialoguing. It almost sounded like you were trying to attack me, Anne, uh, to be honest with you. That felt Yeah, I did. Yeah. Jamie, thank you for confirming and backing me up. Thank you. But yeah, I did. I did use it as a verb. And I just don't like it, Anne, when people say that they're thinking about something, Anne. And then Jamie, I don't know if you agree with this, Jamie, but uh, when Anne was thinking, it's just like, it's too much names. Yeah. We no, know not, each other's names. Because, Why are we doing yeah. this? Ridiculous. You slept together in the previous yeah. chapter. We, we <laughs> There's an open door scene where it was a gardener and you, and you know each other. I know you do, biblically and like uh, authentically. That's right. For me, okay, so my red light book-related is books set in the woods. Here's the thing. Let me tell you, nobody's been to the woods. I know that you are listening right now, and you're like, oh, no, I have totally been to the woods. No, you went to an art festival in a preserve. Yeah. That is not the woods, yeah. okay? You wore Adidas slides on a, a marked path in a state park. You did not go to the woods. Right? You what is what magical I mean? in the like, woods? Do you like that? No, no. Listen to me. Uh, you look on Goodreads right now and you search for woods in the title. It's 26,000 books <laughs> because authors think the woods, they're like, mm -mm. and I get it. Like I do get that the woods lends itself to mate. maybe like horror, bears, a woodsman who's going to put an ax in your yeah. butt. And I mean that both ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But also I get Enchanted Woods. Like we're all like, oh, gnomes, let's go. Let's build a 10-book series on these elves. I get it. But I just think, would you be interested in these elves if they were at a Trader Joe's and they were getting the last of the cookie The, el the elves no, in the condo. You wouldn't be the elves in the condominium. It would still be a story. That's right. And I get that, like, we're like, no, but sometimes it's a forest. No, that's a classy. It's still Winnie the Pooh. He has no pants on in the forest, okay? And then Red Riding Hood. I think that's the perfect example of how dumb the woods are. First of all, they don't even give her a name. Yeah. She's named after what she's wearing. Mm. I'm going to be named Spanx Leggings. <laughs> it goes to the woods? No, that's ridiculous. So for me, it's a red light across the board. I would rather, like Knox, I'd rather be in a plane on an yeah. island. I'd rather be even like in a weird desert. Part you want to be in the, the desert? Oh, I like a desert dry moment. Heat. It's a dry yeah. heat. Yeah, yeah. I like an apocalypse. But listen, don't don't. You, no one's in the woods. So Jamie, I thought this was just about you not wanting to be outside. And at first, yeah. I thought we were going a different direction. But that is where we ended up, right? How dare You'd you? You'd rather be a Trader Joe's. Just Toes. because I'm indoorsy. Just because I'm indoorsy versus outdoorsy. I respect that. It's fine. I mean, the last book I read set in the woods, people got murdered. I mean, I guess that can be a good story, but it doesn't make me want to go in the these woods. These authors are all acting like they've been to the woods. They haven't been to the woods either. Mm. Do you, they drove through a national forest on an interstate. Like, they've not been to, they're just like, I have a, and that's what I think is happening. It's kind of like the Gospels in the Bible. None of them wrote their own. They just wrote what Mark wrote. Sure. And they were like, I'm going to add a flourish. Like, that seems nice. Mark did the one book, and then everybody else built off of Mark's book. That is what's happened. One person wrote a woods yeah. book. And they're like, well, that seems like what the woods are like. So I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to stay in my no pants uh, guest room where I write books. And I'm going to pretend that I went. Shouts to Jamie for dropping a low-key Plato's Allegory of the Cave right now. Uh, <laughs> but not like needing to say it's Allegory of the Cave, you know? So like just credit to no, you, Jamie. I knew that you knew <laughs> and you would eventually say it. Because I was like, what books have ever been written about the woods? All of them, but none of them. I can't remember. So bringing Plato to the masses. This mm -hmm. is the thing mm -hmm. that entertains but doesn't matter? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Makes sense. All right. So I said that capitalism was on my list, but I'm not going to go in that direction. If I did, we could talk about strikes and labor practices and authors needing a platform to publish a really good book, but we're not going to mm. do that. HarperCollins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be resolved by January. Who knows? We're hopeful. I want to go with dystopian novels that are way too believable for my mm. red light. Like if I'm going to oh. read about the world being on fire, just burning down around us with doom and despair and gloom and death and 
shortages of all the, yep. Then I want it to feel unrealistic. So yeah. like the new Celeste Ng, Our Missing Hearts, a little too believable. Yes. The new Silas House novel, Lark Ascending, where basically the fires in the West Coast just slowly take over the whole country till everything is on fire. I was like, oh, no, hard no. This is way, I mean, I read the book. I love the book. I didn't stop reading the book and it's a great book. But if these dystopian novels, if they could just dial up the fantasy meter a little bit, I would be a lot more comfortable. I agree. It's like, what if feral pigs organized? I can read that story. I'm not threatened <laughs> No by problem. That. that doesn't yeah. keep me awake at night. But pandemic stuff, it's a little too soon. Let's don't do that right now. It's like The Displacements by Bruce. I loved that book, but it was like, Florida's gone <laughs> from a hurricane. And it's like, I think that could happen. Mm-hmm. Like, and we all have to live in Oklahoma. It could happen this weekend. Like, feels- we don't know, you know? Like, let's just don't, don't do that right now. Yeah. Now, there are some books where when I'm reading it, ooh, I can totally see that happen. Is a compliment. But like, that is not a thought I want to think when I'm reading no. something grim. No, thank you. Yeah. Okay, I want to toss in a little bonus. So one of my favorite books of the year, Will pointed out that the hardcover cost $32.50. I am not okay with that. Mm. No, thank you. Wow. Does it come with like a a drink and a bookmark? (laughs) Like inside the hardback? No, but it comes with paper, which is really expensive these days and why everything is so expensive. And so uh, supply, demand, global supply chain, paper shortages. I get it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. That's too much for hardcover. No, that's too much. It's ridiculous. Knox and Jamie, thank you so much for coming to join us for our seventh birthday celebration. There truly is no one we'd rather celebrate with. And I'm really excited about what the future holds for all of our podcasts. So you all are coming up on 10. Like, do you have, are you already making plans for what that's going to look like? Um, That's sweet that you think uh, that I will allow us to plan that far ahead. Knox tries to oh, get there's me definitely to be a whiteboard ahead. somewhere. I know it. Oh yeah, there's an Excel doc with yeah. a lot of ideas. We so this is ten and five hundred episodes. So we have two <sighs> big things to uh, figure out this year. So we do, and we just uh, we just hired our tenth uh, staffer, mm-hmm. and so we're very excited for what 2023 may hold. And this is a great way to start off the year mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. I can't think of a better way to do that. So thank you again for joining us. And my hope for all of us as we embark on another year of podcasting is that our conversations can continue to be, I don't know, how do you describe your conversation? You probably want spicy conversations. What's the additive you go for? One of the fun developments of the show is it, it started really as like observational about pop culture. I think there's more of a familiarity that the listeners are used to now, whereas like there's running realizations that they have about us as hosts, not just us as Aaron too, you know, and as we get to incorporate our staff, like they know things about them. So they're bringing that understanding awareness to the uh, listening process. So it allows us to be more of who we actually are instead of professional podcast hosts, you know? I love it. Well, as we move into the future, may our conversations be insightful and fascinating and delightful. Our edits few, because that part is rough. And our parasocial and real-life communities be as life-giving and just so daggone fabulous as they have been in the past. Ah, they've been so good. I would love for that to Mm -hmm. continue. Okay, here's to another year, and thank you all so much. Cheers. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. Hey, readers, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Knox and Jamie. Connect with them over at knoxandjamie.com. See all the details of the books and everything else we talked about today at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com. If you enjoyed my conversation with Knox and Jamie today, join us on Patreon for a special bonus episode that's airing this Friday. Make sure you get to listen. Pop over to patreon.com slash whatshouldireadnext to get started as a supporter of our show and enjoy more than 150 bonus episodes, curated book lists, and more. Subscribe today to get our weekly newsletter in your inbox. It's the best way to keep up with everything happening here at What Should I Read Next. That's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash newsletter. Make sure you're following along in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is created each week by Will Bogle, Holly Wokachevsky, and Studio D Podcast Production. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, Ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot, and short tales from H.G. Wells. Charles Dickens, 
Edgar Allan Poe and others. I'm Christopher, and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story, so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app, and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.